Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. with me. Uh, We, as I said last week, we went through the first 15 verses. This week, we will try to tackle verses 15 through 30. Uh, I will be using the NIV translation, but for you, feel free to use whatever translation you have. And, uh, you know, just probably as I look around, um, for myself, just like most of you, I use my more often than I should, even though I do have an actual Bible. I do love having a Bible in my hand. But uh, unfortunately, because when we're on the road, on the run all the time, the phone is always with us. Maybe I should carry this with me all the time. It's a little bit bigger, but, uh, but it'll be easier, more fun. Anyway, so John chapter 5. I want to encourage uh, what I'm going to try. It's incredibly deep. I want to go home in your own time to read through these verses, 16 through 30, because uh, number one, we talked about this all the time. Scripture, there's life in Scripture, and it will speak to us uh, to many different times, different seasons, and the different things that we're looking to hear from God. So make sure you spend time reading into this. And, and these verse specifically give us a greater understanding of Jesus, of who he is, who he is in terms of in unity with the Father, and how he's able to have all the authority. Hour, and he's been entrusted with judgment to everybody. So let's uh, start at verse 16 through 18. So, because Jesus was doing the Sabbath, the Jews Okay, all right, I'm going to come back up here now. As much as I was trying to come down, but I'm back up here on the stage. So, because Jesus was doing this thing on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him in his defense. So keep that in mind, in his defense. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So the Jewish leaders decided to persecute Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus pretty much because he was healing people on the Sabbath. Crazy, isn't it? Jesus was doing something incredible, compassion, bringing healing to someone, but it was because on the Sabbath. They decided that was not okay. You're breaking the rules, so we're going to find ways to persecute you. Instead of looking at the result, looking at the healing and the restoration that Jesus did. He, so in this, in this verses, it started out with, in his defense. So obviously, they were making an accusation for what he was doing. Accusing him of working on the Sabbath. Because they felt that he broke the law, as I said. And also they felt that because he was claiming to be the son of God, he was equal to God, 
that's when they felt, this is not okay because the people are listening to Jesus now instead of listening to us, doing the things that we want them to do. That's when they plotted to kill Jesus just because he brought healing to someone. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. So in his defense, he was pointing out that he was just being obedient to God. And last week, we talked about sin as disobedience, right? Obedient, meaning doing what God said to do and not doing anything that he said not to do. And uh, one thing to point out about the Sabbath is that God the Father, God rested on the seventh day after creation. But he was and is constantly working in terms of his government, his rule over all of the universe, you know, his mercy and his provision. The, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, commandment was, meant, was not meant for everyone to be totally and absolutely idle and not do anything. Because if that was the case, if God actually did nothing on the seventh, every seventh day, there would be total chaos every seven days, right? There would be no order, no government. Uh, it, just think of a, a simple things like the sun would rise. What if it stopped rising every seven days? If the moon would stop rising after seven days, what if the, you know, the snow, even God is making the snow and the heat and the sun rise. So all those things, and he's always providing for us. So just imagine if suddenly everything stopped after seven days. So that's what Jesus was trying to say. Is God the Father, he's always working, all the time, always. And that's what Jesus was doing. Because the Father is working, I'm always working in terms of the compassion, the mercy to bring healing to people. So the rest, the Sabbath rest, which I think the Jewish leaders missed the point in here, is that now instead of having a Sabbath rest, Jesus is our rest. We find our rest in Jesus. Jesus is ushering in a new era of rest, right? We can still stay active. We can still work. We can still be busy, but still find rest in Jesus, the rest in Jesus does not mean just sit on the couch and do nothing. You know, sometimes you may say, well, I need to find rest in Jesus, so I need to sit down and do nothing. Sometimes it's true, but it doesn't mean that. We can still be busy. We can still be active and still find rest in Jesus. Uh, don't get me wrong. You know, we all need to go on vacation, and we all need to take a break to recharge and refresh ourselves uh, physically, mentally. However, the rest in Jesus means something different. So if, if I can use an illustration, as in when, when, when you find rest in Jesus, it's almost like you're in a zone. You know, for those who are, who are really busy, whether it's with music or with work or with, with sports, you know, when you're in the zone, everything is going around you for 100 miles per hour. But when you hear the term, when I'm in the zone, everything slows down. That's kind of like what it means when we find rest in Jesus. Everything is happening really quickly around us, but to us, because we find rest in Jesus, everything slows down. There's no need of anxiety or frustrations or worries or angers and just trying to run faster because we have rest in Jesus. That's what it means, and that's the Sabbath rest that we have now through Jesus. So it doesn't mean we have to stop and do nothing because we find rest in Jesus. As we draw from Jesus, as we're constantly lifting him up, as we're constantly worshiping him, we will constantly be refreshed. We will constantly find rest because of what he's giving to us. Right? I want to share with you from uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or 
a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So all the religious and legalistic duties and ceremonies, it's just a shadow of the things to come as we find our rest in Jesus. So as I said, now that we have Jesus, that's who we should find our rest in. Press into him all the time. Rest in his kingdom. Rest in his grace. Rest in his mercy. Find rest in him every day and always. Right? You don't need to wait until Sunday just to go find rest in Jesus. We find rest in him every day. Uh, and also another note regarding the accusations that the Jewish leaders were accusing Jesus. is The Jewish ruling council knew they knew that Jesus must have been sent from God, right? We knew this from John chapter 2, uh, between the interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus. If you may remember, we talked about this, because Nicodemus came to Jesus that night and he said, we know that you are a teacher who, came, who has come from God. This is John chapter 3, verse 2. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus, if you may recall, was a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. So therefore, they knew Jesus must have come from God. And so for them to make these accusations is they're accusing Jesus of something they knew already, but they're saying that he's speaking blasphemy. So let's continue with, with, uh, with verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted, keep that in mind, has entrusted all judgment to the Son. See, the Father has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So, as we were saying, initially, Jesus was defending his act of mercy by saying, because my father is always at work, that's why I'm always at work. But now, he's answering the charge of the claim that he is the son of God, and he has the authority to bring healing and bring life to people. So, so when Jesus said, he gave him this answer, he was explaining to them. He was explaining to them why it's okay for me to heal people, why I'm able to provide this healing to people, because why I can claim that I am the son of God. So from this passage, uh, uh, and, and we'll go deeper into this, but we can now understand what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, right? Because he just explained to them, everything the Father knows, I know. Everything the Father does, I do. So therefore, the Father has already entrusted all power, authority, and judgment to me, so when you see me, you see the Father. That's what it means. So anyway, I just want to jump back into this. So no, nowhere else in the gospel, I'm talking about verses uh, 19 through 23, that we can find Jesus making such a formal, systematic, orderly statement of his own unity with God the Father. Right? He's actually explaining how, why that is him and God the Father is one and the same. 
Nowhere else in the other four Gospels, we, we find Jesus making that formal statement of his divine commission, his authority, and proof of his messiahship. So this passage, that's why I want to encourage everyone, because I will not be able to do it justice. I want to encourage you guys to go back and read this again slowly and allow that to sink in so that we can understand what it means, unity, the three Godhead in one. Because they are separate, but they're the same. To emphasize the significance of what he can do. Um, and also another thing in this, we see this, is Jesus said, uh, I can do nothing on my own. Right? It doesn't mean, he said this twice, actually, and we'll, he, he'll say that again in verse 30. So it doesn't mean that he doesn't have any power on his own. It was as if to do anything on his, on his own, it was not even a remote possibility. He would not even do anything on his own because I can do nothing on my own because I want it all to be along the same line of what the Father wants to do, what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We're all in it together, always, all the time. I will never go my separate way. And going back to what, it, what Jesus talked about, being obedient. is being obedient, has, and that's why he's been entrusted with all power and authority. And as I say, it's not because he doesn't have any power of his own. Right? It was just, this is coming from someone, just imagine if you have so much power. You existed before creation, right? We learned that in John chapter 1. Jesus was the word, and the word was with God, and he was with God in the beginning. He was with God. Nothing that was created that has been made without him. It's amazing. Everything that has life in it was, came from him. But he would not do anything on his own. That's amazing. That's amazing, isn't it? And because God, the Father, and God, the Son is so connected. They're so on the same page in everything. So united. That's why God, the Father, just completely trusts Jesus and say, okay, you do whatever you want to do. I entrust our judgment to you because we're always on the same page. We're always knowing what's going on. You're always righteous. That's amazing. That's why they're so united and so together. And the reason for this, and this is why for us, as followers of Jesus, we are to praise and lift up the name of Jesus, right? Because verse 23 said that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So when we honor Jesus, when we praise Jesus, when we lift up the name of Jesus, we're honoring the Father. We honor the Father when we honor God, the Son, Jesus. So again, I know I'm not able to do this justice, but I want to encourage you guys to go back and read this passage again on your unity between Jesus, the Son, and, and God, the Son, and God, the Father. And, the author and that's why Jesus has such authority for all things, and why that authority was given to Jesus, was entrusted to Jesus, if I can use that term. And, uh, and also the reason I want to encourage all of us to read this, and for myself, it was very challenging for myself, is, is as, as, we, as we read this, we can see the unity between Jesus and the Father, and then I ask myself, do I have that unity between myself and Jesus, right? Because Jesus and Christ in me, the hope of glory. So we're to be one with Jesus, and Jesus is one with us. Are we being obedient to all the things that he has called us to do? Because he has given all, he has all the authority, and he's giving it to us. He's also entrusting that to us. So that's, that's challenging for me to always think of doing the things that God called us to do, not the things that I want to do for myself. So uh, that was just a little something to uh, hopefully encourage us uh, hopefully challenge us, but at the same time realize and see an example that we are to follow 
is the unity and the oneness between God the Son and God the Father. And that's the unity that we should try to have between us and Jesus. So that's the exa ultimate example of being one with another being, being one with Jesus. So anyway, let's look at verse 24. Jesus went on to tell the Jewish leaders in verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Wow, whoever, let me read that again. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. Isn't that awesome? You will not be judged. If we hear his word and believe in him, we will not be judged. Who would not want that? Because if we are to be judged in front of the all-righteous God, God the Father, I think we're in trouble, right? Can we be honest with ourselves? We would be in a lot of trouble. But because we hear Jesus' word and believe in him, we will not be judged. And we have automatically crossed over from death to life, to eternal life. So very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also has life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So this is what it means when we read the world became flesh, right? In John chapter 1, verse 14, the world became flesh. So Jesus became flesh, and he's speaking out. He's speaking out wisdom. He's letting us know what's going on. He's teaching us. He's, he's explaining the laws, explaining the rules, explaining how we are to live. So when we hear and believe him, that's how he came in the flesh. He came to earth in the flesh and died on the cross for us. So when we put our faith in Jesus, we will not be judged. And we have crossed over from death to life and then have eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Because I can speak for myself. I've done some pretty terrible things. But because we hear the word of Jesus and we believe in him, we automatically will not be judged. Isn't that awesome? It's almost like everything's been forgiven. Everything. Who does not want that? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we praise him, because thank you, Jesus, because of you, because of what you have done. I will not be judged, because I believe in you. I automatically have eternal life. That's like the easiest thing to win the lottery ticket. Right? You automatically win a lottery ticket just by believing in Jesus. I don't know where the lottery ticket came from. I don't even buy lottery ticket, by the way. I just want to let you guys know that. The thing he spoke while he was in the flesh. Okay, so this is, uh, I was trying to say, is believing the word, meaning believe the things that was recorded down. When Jesus spoke and the Holy Spirit was writing this thing out through um, all the different authors for the Bible. So these, these, these verses specifically speaks to the power of his resurrection. Right, those who believe in him will have eternal life. Because Jesus spoke uh, to his resurrection in verse 24, and which he also uh, alluded back to in John chapter 2, verse 19, when I think Kalina shared about um, uh, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. That when he comes back from the resurrection, all those who die will hear his voice and come out of the graves. And we'll go through that in a, in a couple minutes. So we learned that through Jesus, we have the water of life, right? If we learn from John chapter 4, when the Samaritan spoke to, um, when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman, and he was telling her 
about the water of life that he has to give her. And he was saying that this water that I give you that will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So when we believe in Jesus, we get this water of life that will slowly well up into a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So as we know, when we eventually die, that physical death will be irrelevant. Irrelevant to the new life we already have in Jesus. Because when we hear his words and believe in him, we automatically have the spring of water that's welling up into eternal life. So we can see in verse 27 that uh, another thing to point out is that Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And this was directly at the Jewish ruling council. The, the, the teachers and the law, because it, it, he made this point to point to Jesus, the, the Jewish leader back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, to remind them of who he is, the Messiah that has been promised to all mankind. I don't know if I have that uh, slide up there or not, but um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So what she's trying to say is, I am the son of man. This is what you have heard about. This has been prophesied by Daniel. I'm coming to you right now. That's who I am. So anyway, so let's finish up with uh, the verses 28 through 30. Do not be amazed at this. So he, Jesus went on to tell them, do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. See, he repeated this again. To reinforce the fact that I'm at one with the Father. We are in agreement. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. All right, so Jesus spoke about the dead coming back to life. We eventually saw that. In, if we read in Matthew uh, chapter 27, verses 51 and 52, so the moment that Jesus died on the cross, we saw that uh, the, the holy people would rise up from the graves, and they went into town and, and met with people. We also saw this in the Old Testament when Daniel prophesied about this in the judgment of the final days. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it said, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame, and everlasting contempt. That's talking about judgment. Judgment in terms of those who believe in Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus. If I can say that, it is without a doubt that there will be a judgment day. It sounds harsh, right? It sounds really harsh. But I think for those who even don't believe in Jesus, know that there is a judgment day that is coming because we've seen this on movies all the time. I mean, None of those movies are real, but all of us realize there's a judgment day that is coming. And Jesus is saying this, it's coming. Hear my words and believe in me, and you will not be judged. Isn't that awesome? We will get to skip the line. It's like, oh, I, I got the VIP pass. 
I got the deposit of the Holy Spirit in me, I can skip the line and I will not be judged on what I have done and what I have not done. So I want to briefly say about what those who have done good or those who have done evil. It's a very complex topic, but if I want to, if I may simplify this by saying doing good is believe in his word, just believe in Jesus, then we will not be judged, right? We've been crossed over from death to life. It's not about how good of a life we have led or, or how nice we are or how much money we give to charities. Or, you know, I, if I can even say this, and, and I don't know if he believes in Jesus or not, but Bill Gates, he gave so much money to charity. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the only reason for us to have eternal life. It's, it's the most all-inclusive ever. Anyone, anyone can believe in Jesus, but also it's the most exclusive. Was that right? Is you have to believe in Jesus. He's the only one that has been entrusted with the authority and the power to judge. And he is righteous always. So in, if I can say those who do evil is those who don't believe in his word. So if I can just keep it really, really simplified. So, so Jesus reinstated again that by myself I can do nothing. I mentioned that earlier. Just to reinstate his oneness with the Father. He's in accord with God the Father. So this, this oneness doesn't come because there's power. It's because of his obedience to God. Because he only obey the Father, but he only do things to please the Father. Not to please anyone else. Not to please you, not to please me, not to please himself, but he does it to please the Father. Because they are all together in one accord. So, the, so that's why he's been entrusted with all the authority. The authority to judge, and he will judge righteously. So all authority and power has been entrusted to Jesus because he does not do anything, as I said earlier, to please us or himself. So now, now that we know who Jesus is and, and how he has been entrusted with so much power and he has all the authority and, he's been in, he, and he alone has been entrusted with judgment. That's why we want Talk about Jesus. That's why we want to share about Jesus with others. And that's why we want to make sure we praise him and lift him up because we know he has all the power and all, all the authority and everything. Everything is created by him and through him. That's why we lift him up. That's why we praise him. And what is really amazing for me as I was studying through this and as I come to realize and have a better understanding, a greater revelation of Jesus is that he he has all those things, right? We talked about that. It's giving, he still went to the cross to die for us, to die for all mankind, right? Just imagine, you snap your finger, anything you want can happen. If you want an extra sun, because it's too cold out in the wintertime, you snap your finger, it's 80 degrees. There's the sun right above our head. Just imagine that. Just like on a summer day where it's super hot, you snap your finger, it's like, oh, nice cool breeze coming through. Just imagine that. I don't think we can actually imagine the power that Jesus has, but he still went to the cross to die for all mankind so we can be united with him. See, if we, if we are able to wrap our minds around it, we can hopefully have a glimpse of his amazing love for us. And that's why we sing so much about God, his goodness and his love for us. Because I think we are, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not worthy of what Jesus did. But he did it because he wants to give us eternal life. He wants to bless us. 
So where was I? I lost track of where I am. So how should we respond? How should we respond? After reading these verses, after studying, studying this passage, passage, remind ourselves daily of our obedience to Jesus and remind ourselves that we would only do things to please Jesus because he has set an example for us, right? We don't do things to please others. We don't do things to please ourselves because I will admit it, sometimes I just want people to do things for me. Sometimes I just want to do things for myself. Sometimes I just want a little me, myself, and I, right? Can we, can we be honest about that? But, with, but as we know Jesus, as we grow in our revelation of Jesus, it's about serving and doing things to please God, to please the one who died on the cross for us, pleasing Jesus. So anyway, the, the oneness, the unity between Jesus and God the Father, we can have that with Jesus. And that, in fact, we do. I shared that earlier. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's in us. We're united with him. We just need to act it out, live it out, walk it out. And Jesus is an example for us, right? That's what I use the term a lot. Followers of Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow his example in terms of how we serve people, how we love people, how we have compassion for people, and also share with people about who he is. This amazing gift, amazing gift that we have. So uh, anyway, I want to bring this to an end and close by saying that it's an incredible example of how we should try daily to live as followers of Jesus. And just to see the connection between Jesus and the Father and how and why he was entrusted with so much power. So let's all live for Jesus, live to honor Jesus. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing to him. Live as people who are in accord, accord with one another, right? Because we have something in common, which is Jesus. Live to please Jesus, not ourselves or others. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.